Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am Miss Melmoy. And I am Mr. Craigers. I'm sorry, I totally panicked <laughs> as soon as you started recording because my earbuds fell out. <laughs> I was like, oh God, I'm not going to be able to hear Mel. But I'm here. Crisis most crisis averted. Is <laughs> We're back. <clears throat> this is our 24th. We just. Uh, English, 24th, she said with a question mark, um, episode, and uh, Mr. Craigers had the grand idea, which I think we like talked around for a while now, and we finally decided to do it now that he's done with his bout of uh, illness. Um, yeah, we didn't well, die. Well, I didn't die, Craig did. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, you also didn't die. Like, you're still alive, but like, you weren't as close to death as I was. No. I mean, our, considering the mortal coil, we're all kind of, you know, on this this trajectory. It's just Craig got a little closer than others. I did. I was playing chess with death this yeah, past was. week. Yeah, like, he was. you know, seven seal style. But, <laughs> but we're back. I'm here. Speaking of the I'm seven here. Seal. I won the chess game. <laughs> Craig doesn't actually know how to play chess. And all of. Kachuma, <laughs> yeah. I stuck at chess, but I can beat little Timmy in the online game that I play at work sometimes. (laughs) I think his name is Timmy. (laughs) This turned into a creepypasta. Um, But... This turned into Chess Corner. (laughs) Chess Corner, brought to you by... Um, Anyway, the topic of this podcast um, is... Basically, um, many a film out there, many a horror film specifically, have claimed over the years to have been cursed during production. Um, It's a big urban legend for a lot of things. You've heard of various people getting struck by lightning, people dying on set or right after, what have you. And we decided to talk about, I think it's like the four big ones um, that usually get tossed around because who doesn't love a good urban legend about some very spoopy, spoopy horror films um, possibly being uh, real life spooky. Yeah. And it's been a while, I feel like, since we talked about like lore or urban legends. Mm -hmm. So this is a nice kind of like like mesh of topics. Like... Here's the truth behind these urban legends while also like talking about movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, should we start with our real quick our horror headlines? Yes, we've got Segment. many because we, as we've said, Craig has been playing <laughs> chess with death and a lot of things have happened. I've been playing chess with death. Like, we haven't like recorded in April at all and now it's like the end of April. It's been a crazy month. It has been. Easter. Easter, my mother was visiting me. Back in, you know, made two days feel like six. Um, But yes, many things have happened. So much so that I think the biggest thing that has happened since we've even recorded was the release of the It trailer. Yeah, (laughs) which is crazy because that was like three weeks ago, probably. (laughs) They released a Game of Thrones trailer and a Star Wars trailer since. And a Star Wars trailer. (laughs) I, I was. I always laugh. Like I went home for Easter and you did. I got the snaps my, from the winery <laughs> and my parents are like, they like, like 
things, right? Like <laughs> entertainment. They enjoy things. <laughs> when his dad is mowing the lawn. Facebook. And my dad is not mowing a lawn, which is one of his like two hobbies. Um, <laughs> he's watching movies. But like my dad's not a on Facebook and my mom like doesn't know how to like navigate like YouTube and stuff or whatever so they never see trailers for things that I know would interest them so every time I'm home I we like do this little like gathering I call it like okay guys time to come to the trailer park and I just show <laughs> them like trailers for movies and TV shows the movie's coming out when I was week, home but... yeah I had like eight things to show them it was like Star Wars um Game of Thrones it a couple other things in there um, and of course we all agreed that the it trailer was creepy as fuck. Yeah, it was. Which yeah, they, they filmed most of the it. World has agreed. They filmed it right a stone's throw from my apartment actually. Um, and it was funny cause we were talking about it at work cause everyone at work was like, I know those streets. I know those wide streets. <laughs> I know that section of Toronto that's made to look like a suburb. I know that parking barrier that the kid hits his head off of. <laughs> I've done the same thing. I've also done that. Yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday, in fact. It's still uh, there for some reason. Yeah, it has my blood on it. <laughs> but, um, crazy good trailer. So I, it's a really good trailer. And I think what was like kind of extra special about it is that it was really the first, like, Everyone had a sigh of relief. I'm like, oh my God, it is going to be good. Yeah. You know, like, because it had such a troubled production and I feel like everybody was worried about how do you, how do you do it? It's such a long story. It's such a complex story. Like, mm -hmm. how could anyone be better than Tim Curry? And then like the teaser just assuaged <clears throat> all those fears. And it's, it's interesting because they went, I feel like to avoid the Tim, it's almost like when they change doctors in Doctor Who to avoid comparison, they went like a very different direction with Pennywise. I feel like because you know, it's like mm -hmm. Tim Curry, you get kind of the campy, like tongue in cheek, the puns, the puns, and the, and the you know, and that sort of attitude was just creepy in and, and of the, itself, like cracking jokes and all that. This is very much like, mm -hmm. like just straightforward serial killer like very creepy stuff um like there's no like punning around it's like when he says we all float down here it's very scary you know it's not a joke um which is a way to go with it. yeah and i think well, it's what they had to do to avoid tim curry comparisons you know yeah uh, yeah it's great because pennywise doesn't even talk in the whole trailer yeah um he does that little like scream at the end yeah. which is terrifying um, but I was like, that's such a smart choice. Also, oh, that kid fucking nails his head. <laughs> he wails his head off of that thing. <laughs> if he wasn't getting sucked down the gutter, he was dying from, like, a brain hemorrhage. Um, and it's so funny because everyone I've shown that trailer to, like, my parents, Mr. Eric, my coworkers. I feel like for, like, three days, I just kind of, like walked around like with my phone showing this to random people but like everyone had the same re reaction when he hit his head everyone was just like dude <laughs> like the the pullback and like, the <laughs> it's really more violent than it needed to be so it's like that's not the point it of was, the scene it was savage um our friend Brittany sent me many she sent me like a series of six text messages over the course of like three hours 
because <laughs> she was like, what the fuck? She was like, everyone's telling me this trailer is really good and I really want to watch it. She was like, let me break this down for you. She's like, so everyone's talking about the It trailer. They've said it's just a really, really good trailer and I want to watch it. She's horrified of scary things, like to the point where she could barely handle the haunted mansion as a grown woman, uh, which Craig can attest to because he was there when it happened. I was also there, but was I? Oh, like <laughs> our friendship was almost severed. Um, well, I, I mean, I guess that was our friend Jamie who actually threatened that, that but like, but, um, it, Brittany was definitely, she said through this message, she was like, she spent three hours like becoming an expert on it. Like she read like every single piece of like Wikipedia article there was to read about it. Like the entire plot synopsis of everything. Wait, like wouldn't the it be lore. funny if she like read the book in three hours just to like watch the trailer? She basically did. She immediately becomes this instant expert on the entire thing. Like as if she had read the book five years ago to prepare herself for the trailer. She- She's like, listen, I know more than Stephen King about it at this point. Which Come might be at true. Me. Um, but <laughs> she, for a while, could only get past, like, the first 30 seconds. She was like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then finally she did, and she was very proud of herself. And it reminded me of when I was six years old and finally got through the part in Snow White where the queen turns into the witch, because I used to be able to not watch past Ooh. that point. And I remember the day that I could, scary. and I told my mom. But the point is, is it was really funny because it was an all-day adventure where Brittany became an expert at um, it and watched the trailer. <laughs> that was my story. <laughs> but that is a big thing that happened. This not this week. It is, yeah, that like was three weeks ago. Big, big deal. Um, um, what else? There was some mini series that I sent to Craig about that also. What was it? Oh, um, haunting. Hill House, Haunting of Hill House is getting turned into a miniseries. Yo, yeah. It's going to be a Netflix. Yeah. Is, I think, the perfect um, platform and format to tell that that story in an updated way. Yeah, we've talked before. uh, Hill House was on my list of favorite horror books. So um, you should know all about it if you don't. Educate yourself, not unlike, but be like Brittany. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's exciting stuff. Really like I don't think there's, was there anything else that happened in three weeks? Um, uh, some little things here and there. Like, I feel like I see like tiny things every other day about like alien covenant <laughs> that trailer was really, speaking of good trailers that was also a really good trailer that is a really good trailer that's that's out soon it um is. it's almost may which is crazy yeah because guardians of the um, galaxy is coming out while i'm visiting my homeland for a siesta i didn't realize i thought it came out in like june yeah it's like almost blockbuster season yeah i'm getting there kids because it's summer, which is blockbuster season. So, yeah. So, suddenly, yeah. So, summer. I think that's good for for horror headlines for now. Yeah. So Good thing nothing huge happened in the past three months. <laughs> I know, right? Like, uh, John Carpenter releases secret movie. Could you imagine? <laughs> Anthology series. Um, cool. So... <laughs> Uh, with the horror headlines out of the way, horror headlines, uh, we can get into our 
urban legends of haunted film sets. Uh, which one did you want to start with? Um, let's... Let's just start guns blazing. Let's talk about poltergeist. I, I was I was hoping you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only because I feel like that's the one that has the most um like I feel like about everything, all like all the weird shit that happened. And yeah. if you like if you're like, oh, cursed film productions, like layman people might bring this up poltergeist yeah plus the name like kind of invokes it i mean come on poltergeist. i know right you're asking for it <laughs> um seriously so i guess the the sort of origin of all the supposed hauntings that happened in poltergeist goes back to the fact that evidently they used real human skeletons um in the yes. scene where the skeletons like rise up and attack them um, and this mm. is basically where everyone says the curse originates from. Speaking of all this, I've just thought of a really good bonus one to do that I'm going to attack in on the end. <laughs> in the middle of Amazing. saying that, I thought of it. So don't let me forget. Um, anyway, so yes. Um, and it's led to some creepy things. Yeah. Well, and like, you know what? Like, the, what I always thought was like really fucked up about them using the real human skeletons, aside from the fact it's using up. real human skeletons um is that the, the only reason they did that is because it was been too expensive to make like plastic yeah. replicas you know it, that's actually like, a what? common thing too because in disneyland what? on the um haunted note on the pirates of the caribbean ride the uh skeleton at the end is a real human skeleton it's real yeah yeah um just for whatever reason harvesting Real human body parts. That ride is gone now, right? No, it's still there. Um, it's, oh. No, the one that left was, was the... Tower of Terror in Disneyland. That's now oh, like okay. a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Right. But okay. the one in gotcha. Disney World still exists if you want to get some Tower and Terror. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, I guess harvesting an actual decomposed human corpse, bless you, is cheaper Thank than you. making a plastic one. <laughs> or buying it from a fucking spirit of Halloween shop. <laughs> right? And then just, like, have your makeup artist, like, paint some shit? No. Paint some shit? Yeah. So, that yeah, that is supposed to be, like, the genesis of the curse. Mm. Um, and, like, oh, I could see it. It's <laughs> like, if something's gonna be cursed and if there's gonna be a reason, I can see that being it. If I was involved, I was like on the crew of that movie, and something like you know, like getting coffee in the morning, and someone's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna film the pool scene." Isn't it crazy that those like real skeletons? I feel like I instantly would be like, "I'm sorry, what?" You just stare up to the distance <laughs> with then... a cup of coffee in your hand, like, and then like the sirens <laughs> of Kill Bill play as you like register what has been said. That is exactly what would happen followed by my immediate resignation and then <laughs> I'm gone no thank you well and Jobeth Williams I think did an interview because she was like she you know she played the mom and she was down in the 
muck as it were yeah. and I don't think she was told that they were real until yeah. like after it's been filmed yeah Which none of them knew <laughs> until later because it came out in an interview with like a cast member who was like oh yeah like they told me they were real like after we filmed the scene and I was like that's gross that, yeah so that's crazy but so, so some of the things that happened then um yeah yeah Let's just walk through it. Let's do it. All right, where to start? So there was a lot of unfortunate deaths. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Starting, I guess, most notably with the girl who played Carol Ann. Yeah. Rourke, um died after a... Uh, she was misdiagnosed with something mm-hmm. medical. It was something... Na- like, it was something fairly natural. Like, it was a, it was a medical situation. Um... But yeah, they diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Yeah, which is not correct. But she—that's not what she had. She had a um, she had a bowel infection. Yeah, which is you know, uh, ouch. Um. Yeah, and then she got the flu, and the combination of all those symptoms sent her um, into septic shock. Which so. is like. My number one, just completely aside, is like my one of my biggest fears. <laughs> like because you can get septic shock from virtually anything. Like you can get a cut and get it infect- infected, and and you know you could go into septic shock. I mean, I my right. we have family friends whose like relatives have died from complications of things that cause like septic shock. Like it's very scary. So you know, clean your. Clean I your got wounds. like three paper cuts at work the other day. You guys, I. I've literally just been dancing on the edge of hell this week. <laughs> the chess game continues. It is a goddamn miracle that I am recording this podcast <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, so, and to that being said, septic shock, that's the thing, though. That, like, that's what's scary about it. Because, like, it's not that you die from the flu or a bacterial infection. It's that, you know, you're just, you go into a coma and your body shuts down. Yeah. Uh, from infection. Mm-hmm. Which can and happen just, from anything. Yeah. Not to scare you. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's totally scary. And, it's like, so, like, they they rushed her into the hospital. And, like, because they didn't know what was actually happening, she mm. was mistreated, like, on the operating yeah. table. And then she died on, yeah. on the table. Yes. Uh, uh, septic shock, it just it mimics so many other things that uh, – and it's so quick too. Like you're you're gone in in 24 hours with septic shock. So, it's a scary thing. It's kind of like you know when you think about all the people in movies who like dramatically drop from brain aneurysms bursting and that sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. it's freaky stuff. And so you can see why that kind of like added to the lore here. And then you have Dominique Dunn who was murdered. And she <laughs> yes. Oh, but I was just gonna say work really quick yes um so she died um either near the ending of filming or right after filming for the third poltergeist movie the final poltergeist movie um she was 12 at the time and for a really long time there was a lot of like misinformation about when exactly she had died in terms of like if filming was wrapped or not. So there were rumors for a really long time that they had to use a body double um, to finish her scenes in the, in the end of Poltergeist three, which 
I don't know if that's ever been corroborated or not, but it, it's just kind of like another like yeah. freaky thing to, to think about. Yeah. A few, there, she wasn't the only one uh, who died during the filming of that movie either, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. The daughter of, um, who played the psychic? In Poltergeist 3? Yeah. Um, Whoever that was, I, I forget her name. Um, I believe her daughter, or maybe it was, somebody's daughter died during filming Poltergeist 3 as well. I believe it was the oh, second oh, Poltergeist oh, oh, Zelda, Ru Zelda Rubenstein? Maybe. Was Zelda Rubenstein, and was she in Poltergeist? Oh yeah, she is in Poltergeist yeah. 3. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um... um she, I believe her daughter oh, yeah. died during filming or right before filming. Like, it was freaky. Yeah. Um, um, well, and... I guess before Dominic Dunn, um, uh, other people, like, less um, prominent than Heather O'Rourke um, that were connected to this series um, died like throughout the franchise too. Mm -hmm. um, see, Lou Perryman, who he played Pugsley in the first one. Um, he was murdered in 1999, so well after, but he's still connected to the movie, literally by an escaped convict who broke into his apartment and hacked him to death with an axe. Which is a horror movie in and of itself. Yeah, that is a horror movie of it itself. And um, Richard Lawson, who played the parapsychologist Ryan, also in the first one, um, he had a really weird experience. He was in an airplane crash. Um, it was like a small commercial airline. There were 51 passengers. 27 of them died, and he lived. Yeah. He, like, walked away from the crash. Um but that's like it's still kind of like a really weird connection. He walked away from a fucking plane crash. How do yeah. you do that? Well, that's like, like Seth MacFarlane was supposed to be on one of the planes that hit the World Trade Centers, and people ask him about it, and he's very nonchalant about it. And I was like, you're clearly yeah. hiding some yeah. deep dark situation there because the only reason you missed that flight is because you were hungover and got to the airport late. Like that's horrifying to think about. That's totally horrifying. Like those close calls and stuff. That's like, really scary. That's beyond survivor's guilt. Um, but yeah, uh, Dominic Dunn yeah, was murdered by her boyfriend. Um, yeah. And uh, the thing, um, the weird thing too that people bring up as well, going back to O'Rourke, is that um, the, the brother Robbie has a Super Bowl poster in his room. Um, that is like a future, like it's in the future, like it's not something that took place during the movie. It was like the 1990 or 1988 Super Bowl or something like that for whatever yes. reason. And she died the day after that Super Bowl um, in the city where the Super Bowl took place. Um, Super Bowl yeah. 22, I think it was, mm -hmm. um, which was kind of freaky. That, yeah, that, that is really freaky. Um. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I guess Dominique Dunn, let's talk about her. Yeah. Um, she played Dana, the oldest sister in the original, and, um, like a lot of people, if you're not super into Poltergeist and the Poltergeist franchise, kind of don't remember Dana's 
character because she's written out of Poltergeist 2 and Poltergeist 3 because Dominique Dunn was murdered. Um, she had this boyfriend. His name was uh, John Sweeney. Um, they were living together. They had been dating for and then he became very possessive and very jealous, which led to um, physical uh, domestic abuse. Like he would like yank out like chunks of her hair and um, like bang her against windows and stuff or whatever. So it wasn't good. Um, choked her at one point and would like kick her around the house and stuff or whatever. Um, and eventually she kind of like, built up the courage to um, uh, to sneak out and, and get away from him. And one night um, she had a friend come over and she the window and she got away um, and then broke up with him over the phone. Um, so he moved his shit out and she went back to the house that they had shared together, which I don't know that I would have been able to do that. Yeah. Um, and then on October 30th, 1982, um, a couple months after uh, the first Poltergeist had released, um, she was at her home. She was rehearsing. She was going to be in the original V miniseries. Um, uh, and uh, Sweeney came back, basically, um, and kind of broke into the house. So she was on the phone with a friend um, and they, they spoke for a bit like on her back porch um, and she had some friends over and like, they didn't really think anything of it or, or like it was a while before they went to ch check on her. Like after they heard like, I think a scream and a thud or whatever. Um, and then she, then the, like she was found strangled and, and, and Sweeney was gone. Um, and it was, it was obvious that he had killed her. Um, and she was only 22. Um, so very sad. She actually, I think she went into a coma after that attack and she died. Oh yeah. And she um, didn't wake up a, from it. A couple days later on November 4th, which was, um, the exactly five months after the release of Poltergeist. Yeah, it's freaky so stuff. If you're a number. It's very that's kind of creepy. If you're a number person, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, freaky stuff. What and else? I mean, you can oh. you can poke throughout the internet too and find random set mishaps as well, um, which is something that comes up a yeah. lot with a couple of them later. A couple others on our list. It's actual on set. Um, problems that that start to arise um yeah and like throughout the franchise like i know poltergeist 2 there's a lot of stories about weird stuff that happened on set and um it was after that after the second movie was uh julian beck who played kane the creepy reverend yes. in the second one he died uh, from stomach cancer Gosh. Uh, right after Poltergeist 2 was released. And um, then Will Sampson, who played Taylor, the, the medicine man, 
in the second one. And then he was also chief in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, he died from a, a chronic degenerative disease like a couple days after Julian Beck, and he was only 53. Yikes. Yeah. Spooky stuff. Yeah, so spooky, very so strange. Don't use real skeletons. Don't do it. It's not a good idea. Which, well, like, how ironic like, is that, though? Like, the whole idea is that they're cursed because they're on an ancient burial ground. And then they use real dead bodies. That they, and, and they're real, like, okay, that's yeah. a bit much. Um, but even there were even reports of weird activity from the remake. Um, yeah, which I did not see. Which, but. like, I'm a, I was, like, a little skeptical about those because, like... People try to say that about the new Omen 2 that came out in, like, 2006. Yeah, like, it just seemed, like, so, like, PR-ish. Like, oh, if we say this, it'll drum up interest and stuff or whatever. So I didn't look too, too much into it. But I think it was just basic stuff, like, a lot of electronic equipment, like, not working. And um, they were, like, they were using drones to get, like, aerial shots of the house. And, like, the drones would just just stop and crash and stuff or whatever which so. as somebody who owns a drone i can tell you they're not <laughs> the most reliable method of doing anything yeah so i don't know that we can attribute like a supernatural cause to that but um so. you know it's the the legacy lives on at the very least is the thing there uh whether you can substantiate those claims or not um yeah i mean i they can substantiate all the dead people. This is true. No, I mean the drone specifically, like the newer, no. the, the remake. Yes, the dead people did happen. There are receipts for these things. You can fact check. My point here is that, like, you know, it's such a well-known thing in pop culture now that even the remake, whether it happened or not, you know, is saying, oh, it's cursed. There's weird things happening. Uh, that sort of thing. Um, speaking, though... It's kind of a good segue. It's kind of a macabre segue, but, you know, we're about here. Um, you know, creepy deaths and just sort of that creepy things happening. Um, the one we both had on our list as well, I believe, was Rosemary's Baby. Yes. Which there's a very famous, um, very, very famous death that is attached to that film. Um, yikes. Uh, basically, Rosemary's Baby 1968 <laughs> um, was the film that kind of launched the the 70s craze of like devil children and exorcist and, and um, the omen and stuff. Basically, this woman is impregnated uh, after her husband um, does a ritual with their Satanist neighbors and she's giving birth to like the antichrist basically or is she? or is she um it's basically the premise um and it's freaky it's very very freaky <laughs> it's a horrifying movie um she has the worst pregnancy you oh, could possibly is. imagine um but basically so if you can't guess um roman polanski <laughs> Um, who directed directed this film um 
very famously and very sadly, um, his were they they were married. They were for, married. They yeah. were married. Sharon Tate, his wife, I believe it was like of one year or so, who was pregnant uh, with mm-hmm. their only child. Their what would have been their first child um, was murdered by the Manson cult. Um, mm-hmm. Sometime after this, because I know that the very first movie he made after those murders was his adaptation of Macbeth. Um, but yeah, oh, I think it was, I, I'm pretty sure that the Manson murders were in '69. So '69, so just right like after. a year yeah. after Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, and he basically took a year off from anything and went into exile, and then made a very, very dark, apocalyptic version of Macbeth that very much reflects. Um, what happened in his life. But yes, uh, the Manson murders um, are tied to, you know, however urban legendy you want to get with it, to the production yeah. of Rosemary's Baby. Because um, this was a cult of people who, um, you know, very horrifyingly and for no apparent reason um, cut the, the wires on this house, snuck in and murdered everyone inside. Um, and it's very freaky. The house is no longer there, but a, an apartment building is there now where the house used to be. I don't know how people could possibly <laughs> live there, but yeah. people do. They've done documentaries on it and people have gone in to ask, you know, the homeowners, like, you know, how they feel about the fact that they're living on the side of the Manson murders. But basically, um, there's a lot of hearsay about where this starts from besides the fact that, you know, like this is a... You know, the idea is that she's she's pregnant with um, the Antichrist. But um, famous Satanist, uh, I believe it was a famous Satanist, Anton LaVey. Um, oh, yeah. He was the founder of the ch- yeah, Church the of Church Satan. Yeah, Church of Satan. So, yes, one might say he is a famous Satanist. Um, was mm-hmm. supposedly supposed to be in the movie. I don't think that's ever really been substantiated. He, yeah, it was a rumor that he was going to play the devil in um, the, um, what is, like, like the impregnation scene. Yeah. Um, the, the rape, like, whether it's a dream or it's really happening is yeah. up to the viewer and stuff or whatever. But she sees the devil, essentially. Yeah. And, and there was a rumor that he was going to play the devil. Um he didn't and like it, there's been a lot of like back and forth over the years if he was even considered yeah but um that but was basically, always a weird yeah no matter what happened people claim that he was sending threatening letters to the um yeah to the producer and was basically uh, um who was william castle yeah. the famous horror producer yes um um, and like was like prophesizing all these awful things would happen. Um, and he himself had health issues after the movie. Um, and uh, somebody, the composer, died. Um, oh yeah, Christoph uh, Kameda. Yes, he died. He, he had uh, a brain clot. Yes, like shortly after filming. Which, yeah, which is. Um, um, a character in the movie dies the exact same way um, that the composer died. Yes, yeah, has a brain clot. Um, one of the freaky things, though, and maybe not so much freaky in the sense of mystical, but explains some things, is that Anton Lavey. You know, whether or not he 
was going to actually be in the movie, um, was friends with one of the people who had a role in the the Manson murders. Um, oh yeah, he, didn't he, he like he knew one of them? Um, didn't he know our Susan Atkins? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, there's connections there. Whether you know. However you want to look at it, it's very freaky and very, very, very spooky. Um, that this very dark and, you know, for lack of a better term, satanic film has so much around it. Yeah, and I think what's so creepy about the weird stuff connected with Rosemary's Baby is that it's so, like, on theme. Yeah. Like, everything relates to, like, plot points from the movie and yeah. stuff or whatever you know like uh, it's not that the movie was haunted it's no like that like weird like witchcraft satanic connections are close to it and stuff or whatever yeah a a cults you know you know in the movie it's a satanic cult in real life it is Mm -hmm. you know the the mansonite cult um right you know it's it's brutal, scary stuff. I mean, and I think it's, it's more kind of a commentary on the like mindset of that time because shortly after this movie came out, there was just such an upkick in like exorcisms and like devil children and that sort of thing. Like people were very yeah. interested in that for some reason. Um, and I think well, the Manson cult baby. had something to do with that too and Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, well, Rosemary's Baby helped like helped that trend yeah. so, so 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 much because it, it got us to like the exorcist and the omen and and all of those weird devil children um cult movies in the 70s in the 70s and then like that kind of eventually boomed into like the satanic panic in the 80s yeah. like it's all like you can just trace it all sort of back to like the late 60s and like when the Mansons were when the Manson family was operating yeah um another creepy thing right so so you know the Tate LaBianca murders the Manson murders like that they called that Helter Skelter right yeah which is the name of a Beatles song yeah and um so John Lennon was murdered outside of the Dakota building in New York City the exterior of the Dakota building was used in the filming of Rosemary's baby. Like that's the building they use as the exterior of Rosemary's apartment mm-hmm. building. Yeah. Helter Skelter has become so very creepy. much like a horrifying thing to hear anybody say whatsoever. Um, creepy. Yeah. It's very forget the six, the late sixties, early seventies were just a very scary time. I would not want to to have partaken. It was all that. The, Everybody all was like on LSD, like seeing weird. Stuff. That's how um um my best friend's exorcism starts. Is they're doing acid, <laughs> and it all and goes to shit. <laughs> not to like spoil it, but like, like you know, be chill about it. Yeah, no, they do LSD, and then one of them freaks out, and then after that, she's possessed. Like God. God. The sixties were a time. Uh, yeah. Uh, we so speaking, speaking of yeah, that, like segues perfectly into what I do. The omen. We can do that, or we can do the other one. 
I can Let's do the finish omen. with the exorcist. Okay, so we'll go with the omen. Okay. Speaking okay. of devil children. Cool. Literal devil children. Yeah. Literal devil children. Um, the omen. We're, of course, talking about the original 1976 version of the omen. Richard Donner's original starring Gregory Peck. Oh, yeah. Um, that deep voice. Sorry, Leaf Schreiber. Okay, but he doesn't <laughs> yeah. have the, the deep voice. <laughs> he has no Atticus Finch. <laughs> He's not. Um, so, again, of course, lots of real-life deaths, um, accidents, and strange occurrences attached to the omen. Mm. Um, uh, um, the least of which was well, not I, that. <laughs> well, go ahead. Because <laughs> I think you're about to say no, what I was going to say. Were you going to say the lightning? Yeah. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. So Gregory Peck and David Seltzer, who wrote the movie, um, they, they, were both, they were both traveling by plane um, separately. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think to production or like from it was during production yeah but um both of their planes were struck by lightning which is fucking weird and then uh, uh harvey bernhard the producer was almost struck by lightning in rome when they were filming oh really yeah oh, oh I didn't know that. he escaped but uh oh, it was a close call God. that's three that's three lightning related incidents that's fucking creepy yeah um, there were a couple of car crashes involved with members of the crew. I and think the when they were filming Rome. Oh yeah, Richard Donner was in a like a bad car crash. Yeah. Um, like he almost like broke his neck. I think I read at some point. Um, and his hotel was bombed by the IRA. Yes, I did see that. That could, that was like <laughs> not good. Um, there was something. Oh, oh, oh! What the um, the animal handlers yes. was like mall. Yeah, really by a tiger. Bad. bad um, at some point, yeah, it was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah, I think he um, died. I'm not sure. I think he ended up dying from his injuries. Maybe not. Did he? He might not have. But the and point is, is someone. Someone, I can't, I don't have a note of, like, who it was, like, their name and their role on the film, and I apologize for that, but someone in one of the car accidents ended up getting decapitated. Yeah. Um, Which is... And it, it, like, the decapitation scene that happens in the movie. Yeah. Um, Uh, Liz Moore. Liz Moore was the one who got decapitated. Liz Moore. She was an assistant to um, the special effects team, uh, and she got decapitated mm-hmm. in a car accident, and that's how one of the characters dies in the film, is a decapitation. Um, yeah. And then uh, Peck, one of the flight he was supposed to take to Israel to shoot their scenes in Jerusalem uh, crashed, and everyone on board died. Um, <gasps> he was not on the plane, obviously. Um, did you guys hear that? I like. <laughs> I did not know that. I, I, told, like, <gasps> I told Craig something new. Um, yeah, he was. Um, I just got like I just I got really nervous for Gregory Peck just now. Even though he's unfortunately <laughs> already like he's dead. dead. 
Um, yeah. But it was not in this that, plane like, crash. Oh my, he and Seth MacFarlane are in like the same club now. Yeah. Literally like did dead. not get on plane yeah. where everybody died. Although I'm pretty <laughs> sure Gregory Peck probably didn't get on because he was hungover. <laughs> I think that was a Seth MacFarlane thing. Um, well, what a know. way to escape death though. <laughs> um, that is such a way to escape death. Do we know why he did not get on that plane? No, he just, um, he almost boarded the flight. Did not for some reason, and um, everyone died who was on the plane. So, yeah, um, I bet he was so freaked out, out. but um, yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, my god, well, it was a second like decapitation. There were two people who were decapitated. Oh, oh my god, yeah, um, one of them was um. There was some somebody, I have to look into it, hold on. But there was somebody who got decapitated on Friday the 13th, the year The Omen came out, 1976. Oh. Um, oh. But give me and a that second. that wasn't the no, assistant? Was, I believe it was. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, no. No, it was. Okay, it was. Oh, it was. So yeah. she died on Friday the 13th. Yeah, she died on Friday the 13th, the year the film came out, uh, was that car crash <gasps> that decapitated her is what it was. That's crazy. So, so like transportation for people involved in the just don't go anywhere was was working against them. Cars, planes. Gregory Peck probably never like flew again. He was like, "Bitch, I'll walk. (laughs) I will walk to Israel. (laughs) Um, I will fucking walk." But yeah, um, he had a rough go of it because his um, I think shortly before they. Started or shortly after, I can't remember, but his son committed suicide. It was uh, before. Right it was right before they started filming. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And like, ugh, Gregory Peck is just like this sweet baby angel, and he is. He's Atticus Finch. God damn it! Yeah. And like, that's just. I don't know. That's so sad. Um. Think about the omen, though. If you have not seen the omen, it is so 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 good. Um, it's so. Um, it's you know just for the sake of explaining things. Uh, it basically tells the story of a family that basically the mother gives birth to a stillborn child, and the father Gregory Peck, who is an ambassador, like a high-ranking government person. Um, can't they like doesn't want his wife to know that the child was stillborn so they trade it out for an orphan child at this hospital in Rome where this kid is born um and he's like oh I just won't tell my wife which just side note I don't understand why people always do that in movies and books and stuff like you can clearly tell by a certain point that this is not your child that <laughs> this is not your kid it does it's gender <laughs> like, and you're like, both blonde I guess do kind of play up, right? Because, like, she has trouble connecting with him and yeah. stuff or whatever, right? But yeah. um, they decide, like, a priest basically gives him this baby, says, oh, like, this baby was abandoned, its mother just died, it's also just been born, like, you can have this baby and we just will keep it our little secret. And Gregory Peck is like, great. Um, there's this cosmic, there's a comet flying over, um, Europe or uh, Rome at the time too so it's like the star of Bethlehem the night this Satan baby is born 
Um, if you watch <laughs> the American Dad version of The Omen, you will see Satan with a picture of the jackal mother <laughs> in the um, the family photo. In the family photo, um, because it's basically its mother was a jackal and its father was Satan. But basically, it's the Antichrist, and um, this kid has six lines, I think, throughout the whole movie. Um, um, excuse me, its mother was Rosemary. Please keep up. <laughs> yes, this is a continuation. Get your... The jackal is named Rosemary. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, this, the Gregory Peck comes to realize that he is raising the Antichrist and the entire movie is to figure out what to do about it because this is a six-year-old child and how do you deal with knowing that a six-year-old child is going to become the root of the apocalypse? How do you do that? Um, and eventually, one of the best scenes, yeah. I think, ever, best ending scenes of a movie ever is Gregory Peck can't do it. Um, wife and husband and everyone ends up dying by the end. The child's godfather is the president of the United States. So at the funeral for his father, the kid turns around holding the hand of the president and smiles like sinisterly at the camera. And it's like the greatest thing ever. Um, it's so good. It's, it's so good. so fucking good. Um, if you're one of those people who was into that whole Left Behind series for some reason that was big and like this mid- is a good horror movie for you. The mid two yeah. thousands. This is like the original of that. So yeah. Well, well, and especially in like in the second one and the third one, because like as he yeah, gets older, he, he becomes he's like he's an adult trying to yeah. bring about the apocalypse. Yeah, the second um, one's interesting and because it's, it's it's teenage him. Yes, when he's at military school. <laughs> yeah, and the third one is great because the adult Damien is played by Sam Neil, and I love Sam Neil. He can do no wrong. I feel very sing songy today. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, obviously you can tell from the, like, and this movie just like, they go to like Jerusalem to like figure out the lore behind it all. Like he finds these seven daggers, tell Megiddo, Megiddo, which is the root of the word Armageddon. Like, you know, it's all the, it's just, it's so much like, it's like the book of revelations in a movie. So you can see why, uh. There's some creepy things associated with it. And the music is fucking incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's all they won at the Oscar for best score. Yeah. Uh, and Ave Satani, like the main theme, was nominated for best song. It's like so. freaky deaky, the, the main song. Um, it's like very yeah. like robust. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and it's like, like, you know, like choral, like monk. Yeah. You know, we're a Gregorian chant, you know, in the, um, in the afternoon. Um, but yeah, freaky deaky stuff. Um, freaky movie, whether or not you take into account, um, all the weird stuff surrounding it. But, yeah, that is one of the big ones that gets mentioned a lot when people talk about cursed film sets, but it is not as big as, um, the one we're going to end on here, I think. What a wonderful day for an exorcism. Craig one time yelled at me because I was talking during the exorcist. I need complete silence during that movie. Um, yeah, we were watching it <laughs> on like two nights. It wasn't even Halloween. It was like Halloween weekend. Um, and we were watching it and Craig like yelled at me for talking. He was like, you need to shut up. Was this, uh, yeah, was this was, last Halloween? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, good. you were yelling because we were talking about <laughs> something. You were like, shut up. And it wasn't The Exorcist, so I yeah, needed so. you to be, be quiet. Um, The Exorcist, if you don't know, based on a true story, so they say, um, of a of a John Doe who has never been identified, which I think is kind of even freakier, this little John Doe. Um, right. 11-year-old boy, I believe he was 11, um, in St. Louis, who basically it's based on the, the accounts of the attending priest who was called in to exercise this child um, because he, his parents thought he was possessed. And um, they turned it into a fiction novel, which was then turned into the film about basically the same thing, but with Linda Blair um, mm-hmm. and Georgetown. <laughs> In Georgetown. In Georgetown. Yeah. Um, but basically, it's inter- there's this interesting... I don't know if it's on Netflix America, but on Netflix Canada, there's this documentary. I fell asleep halfway through watching it because I was, like, really hungover that day. Um, and I napped. But it was about exorcisms. And, like, the way they were talking about it was, like, as if it was... They were, like... This priest was, like, you know, like, the movie The Exorcist is good, you know, but it's, like, you wouldn't have all of that during one exorcism. You know? Those are things that you might see throughout your career yeah. as an exorcist. And I was, like, dude. <laughs> he took this all very seriously. Um, but this movie kind of reawakened... I feel like a lot of, like, I don't know, priests or people who have been involved in exorcisms have, have said similar things yeah like there's no like that much activity would never happen in one um in one exorcism yeah in this movie it's interesting because it's almost a little bit meta because when the mother first goes to father Karras to ask for an exorcism he's like that's the thing we don't do anymore we don't really talk about it like it's not a thing really the catholic church does anymore that they want to be involved with which is what we've realized that it's something else and like which is what a lot of people were saying around the time that this like got people interested in exorcisms again and they were saying like oh like we don't really do that anymore blah 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 and if it does happen it's kind of incognito it's kind of a hush hush thing um which kind of adds to the allure uh i think of the whole idea of an exorcism um but That all being said, there are some freaky dicky things that happened on the set of this movie. Freaky. Freaky shit. Um, yeah. What should we start with? <laughs> um, so there was more lightning strikes. About the fire. Okay, we can start with the fire. <laughs> yeah. The fire. So there was a huge fire on set, like, so bad that it delayed shooting yeah, it, for, like, like a good chunk of time and the um they don't know they didn't and they still don't know how how it started there's no discernible reason um that they could have figured out i think the explanation that was eventually provided was that like a pigeon got stuck in the <laughs> you know what you can just stop there was that a <laughs> pigeon and then just stop <laughs> and then fighting and i was like that's incredible I believe it. I believe it. A pigeon got <laughs> stuck in some electrical wiring and caught fire and burned down the entire and set except fire. Yes. So in terms of like the set, right, it was um, the McNeil house that bore the brunt of the fire and every room was damaged. The only room that was left untouched was the set for Reagan's bedroom where um, most of the 
paranormal activity in the film takes place and of course where the exorcism itself takes place mm-hmm. so thanks pigeon. you creepy music thank you pigeon i want that movie demon pigeon. where is the demon pigeon now he's friends with the turkey from thanksgiving <laughs> He's free. He knows. He pops up and he's like, "Lovely day for an exorcism." There's a movie. There's a Birds of Prey. (laughs) Got it. Got it. That's that's your franchise. That's That's your franchise. Our franchise. Um, what is like a cult of birds that just causes all of these? Um, it's interesting. Weird things on different sets. (laughs) (laughs) Like have a thing. It's interesting because (laughs) birds also figure in my best friend's exorcisms, exorcism, not exorcisms. Oh God. At one point, um, all these birds just fly into the windows of the house. (laughs) So somebody clearly read up on the lore. Fucking weird, man. They are weird. They used to be dinosaurs. They're pissed off about that. So they just, they turned into assholes. I would be mad too if I pigeons went from are just like pigeons are just rats with wings. Rats with wings. They are. One time I was like two weeks ago, I was going to work and I was walking down the sidewalk and this pigeon like cut me off, like it walked in front of me. And my reaction was as if it was a person. Like I glared at it and like gestured to it and I was like, what the fuck? And I like realized I was like, oh my god, it's a fucking pigeon and I look like an idiot. Like it's a fucking pigeon that walked in front of me and I was cursing it's at it. Um, yeah. But it deserved it. Um, so the fire it happened. Did. Um, there was also lightning involved, involved there was. in this movie there was. Uh, with a church, which makes it even mm-hmm. freakier. Um, a church across the street from the premiere of the film, this church was struck by lightning. In Rome. Which caused the cross of the church to fall down. Like it, it broke the cross at the top of the church and, and you know, knocked it down, which was horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was like this cross had stood there for like 400 years yeah this is like a it was like a 16th century church so like that's a lot of like weather and shit to go through like it was in Rome so like World War 1 and 2 and like n- still nothing had knocked this thing off but yeah. then the night of the premiere hit by lightning falls and completely shatters yeah it's like god is not giving you a middle (laughs) finger that i don't know to be fair what is happening were i the powers that be i would totally be doing (laughs) how dare you make a film (laughs) maybe or i you know what i think actually happened i think a pigeon just like knocked knocked it over the brother of i think it was the pigeon was seeking revenge. The brother of the pigeon who died in the fire. Flew across the Atlantic from Georgetown to Rome. He was like, fuck y'all. Was struck by lightning and decided in his death throes that he was going to fling himself into a cross upon this church that had stood for 400 years in Rome. (laughs) It's, It's feasible, I feel. Yup. Um... It's Besides that, I buy it. Um, there were, I think, a total of nine deaths um, associated with the production in total. Yeah. I don't know the details of all of them. I, I have some of them here. Um, okay, so Linda Blair's grandfather died 
um, about two weeks into filming. Um, Max von Sydow's brother, um, Max von Sydow, who plays the older um, priest, uh, his brother died on his first day on set. Jason Miller's son, Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, was in a really bad mo- motorcycle accident during filming. And um, the, the, the doctors basically said it was a miracle that he didn't die. Um, and then this is after, but still bears a connection to the film. Mercedes McCambridge, who did the voice of Pazuzu, the demon. Lovely day for an exorcism. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is her. Her son and daughter-in-law were killed in a murder-suicide in 1987. Yes. Yes, not good. And then, um, da, 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 da. oh, and then, okay, Jack um, McGowan, who he played the the director, um, Ellen Bernstein's character, like the director. So the film within the film, Ellen Bernstein is playing. She's playing this actress, and she's filming this movie, right? And that's when all the weird stuff starts happening while she's while she's filming and stuff. The actor who played her director, um, he died of the flu um, when he was 54, just days after he finished um, his scenes in, in the movie. And six days later, the woman who played Father Karras's mother, she died. She was 89, um, so not super weird, Uh, but it was weird that she died in such close proximity to Jack McGowan. And it was, it it was pretty weird that um, they both died during production because the characters that they played are also the two characters that both die in the movie. Yeah. So take that in for what it, yeah. It's worth. Lightning strikes, falling crosses, several deaths, uh, and Freaky Friar. There was also, um, I mean, it's fairly run-of-the-mill to be injured, like... but um, Linda Blair was injured quite a bit um, in some stunt scenes. Yeah, I was just going to like say we should talk about like the real pain that a lot of people were in in this movie. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, part of a curse or not, filming this was a bitch. I know. You know that you know that scene where um Ellen Bernstein comes up and she comes into the room and like shit's flying around. Yeah. And Linda Blair like knocks her back against the wall yes and there's that like really like savage scream yes um that like plays over the cutaway or whatever apparently that screen scream is so real because when ellen bernstein fell into the wall she like cracked part of her spine ouch um and like that was the take that they use so her pain is people in using Using painful <laughs> takes. We were just talking about this before we started, and we often talk about how in Lord of the Rings, Viggo Mortensen breaks his foot on camera, and you hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you How know, suffer for your art, I guess. I know. 
So I think that I feel like there's a lot of stuff like that, like where like, you know, if you're watching that and you don't know that you're still going to feel really unsettled, oh, yeah. I feel like, because that scream is so primal. Well, it's like the scene and in it's... the birds too, where she gets attacked by the birds in the, the attic and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. something's wrong. Like it's, it's very, very disturbing. It's so disturbing. And the exorcist was so great about stuff like that. I, I actually found out I didn't know this before like the other week when I was um, like taking notes and stuff or whatever. It was the first movie to use subliminal recordings in, in the film's soundtrack, particularly the sound of buzzing bees and lions growling immediately before they attack. And that's horrifying. That just like totally horrified me because like I feel like those sounds like are so deep and primal and they like for tr- something and like back when we were like fucking living in caves and shit, right? Yeah. Like those sounds would have been like emergency sounds, like yeah. you know, like run away, get out. And like, but obviously like those instincts are still somewhere like deep in our brains and stuff right now or whatever. And I just think that's such a crazy way to like unsettle people still. Well, it's interesting because you hear about subliminal messaging and you get it in the form of like flashing pictures, like Twin Peaks or like. Which the exorcist does. Yeah, which you still get. When they like, they flash the face and stuff. Like when (sighs) Paris' mother comes up the subway. I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. I'm literally having non-flashbacks. Um, yeah, the face. Um, God. Mm. Let's use subliminal sound. Yeah. Is like next level shit. We have a spook bedtime tonight. Um, yeah, no, it's just a freaky movie. This is... Uh, it's a movie. And it's funny because um, I bought a copy of the Amityville Horror, like the book like that the the, um, they wrote about it and I like had it at my mom's oh. house and um, she was like yeah that's fine she's like I just and because I, I was like oh like does it freak you out and she's like no and I told her about how I almost bought a vintage copy of um, The Exorcist from this used bookstore that was in Pittsburgh when I went to school there and I'm still mad that I didn't like I still think about it I'm like that was a really cool copy like what the fuck was the matter with me but she, my mom was like I would not have let you brought that into the house and I was like well why and she was like because it's based on a true story and that movie is horrifying and you cannot have that in my house and I was like you know what that's fair <laughs> that's fair that's respectable can do Shelly can do shells um um so I think the uh, the last thing to talk about in regards to The Exorcist would be this serial killer who was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you know about this? I've heard <sighs> things about it, but I haven't like looked into it. Okay. So, so this is going to oh. be revelatory <laughs> for me. I'm with you, gentle viewers. Gentle, gentle, gentle listeners, take my hand. This is going to be fucked up. Fire walk with me. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the magician longs to see you guys. You're going to see. So the scene where Reagan goes to get her, her MRI. Right? Which is a scary scene. 
the entire which is really scary. all the medical scenes are like low-key possibly scarier than some of the uh yeah. and like i'm not claustrophobic but when i watch that scene and like with her in the machine i'm like nope nope and when they do the thing in her neck and they first do the puncture and it's just like yeah like, oh, mm, yep, nope i'm done with the hospital and then so i was and then i start like looking into ways how how do I not have a neck so that doesn't happen to me? How do I not have blood flow? How do I stop my jugular? How do I make that work? When I know, I will get back to all of you. Um, so in that scene, the guy who plays the radiologist assistant um, was a legit six-plus victim serial killer in New York in the 1970s. Which, at six, like, you're trying for something. Like, that is a solid <laughs> serial killer number. You, I mean, your hobby has turned into something else. Yes. <laughs> so. You need a bigger bookshelf. <laughs> his name is Paul Bateson. He was a 38-year-old. He actually was an, an x-ray technician. He operated, of course. it was called an arteriogram. I learned that. Um, that's what she was getting. Um, and like, so I have to assume neck. that like, like they, when they were just scouting, like happened to be there and they were like, oh, well, he already knows how to do it. Do you want to be the extra in this scene? Yeah. And like, <sighs> So it really brings um, into um, into light that whole thing where it's like, oh, like in your lifetime, you'll walk past like 32 serial killers or something like that, like or 32 murderers. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. on average. Inter- yeah. If you live an average life, you interact with. um, th- Yeah. 30 murderers. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, there's one. <laughs> I There's one. So. Let me just walk you through Paul's um, career here. Oh, God. Um, his resume. So, his curriculum verite. So, okay. So the murders that he, en- that, um, he ended up sort of that, like, um, that were linked to him, they were committed after The Exorcist was released. But, like, they believe that he had been killing well before that time. And, like, at the time of The Exorcist exorcist he had he had likely already committed murder um but anyway in 1977 a man named robo was stabbed to death in his west village apartment and then the apartment was set on fire uh four days later donald mcniven and john pw beardsley were found um bludgeoned and stabbed to death in McNiven's apartment. Um, they lived in the same building and, but then Beardsley was, was in McNiven's apartment. Um, Beardsley and, and McNiven, it was, they get together at the pub or they got together at the pub for sure. They got together for sure. And that was also, and the apartment had also been set at the fire. And this case got a little bit more attention and from the police because you Beardsley, <laughs> Yeah. Well, at, well, no, no. And this is what's fucked up. Oh boy. It got more attention because Beardsley was a member of the social register in New York and Philadelphia. 
So he was a part of society with a capital S. I mean, his name is um, Beardsley, so. Yeah. But they did not link the two, the two crimes um, because, honestly, like from what I could tell, because this was New York in the 70s. And, oh, and true. Like there were like a day and the precincts weren't sharing information. So fuck that. Um, two weeks later, Robin Barrero, who had been missing for five weeks, was found um, dead floating in the Hudson. Okay. Um, and he was, he was wearing a leather jacket. We'll circle back to that. Nine, nine days later, two openly gay men and their pet poodle were all found slain in their apartment. Um, you know, they had also been and bludgeoned. Jesus. Now in this, in this apartment, there was a lot of, um, leather paraphernalia. So it was at this moment where the police were like, okay, there's a connection between all of these things and there's a connection to the leather community. So they traced one of the jackets um, to a um, gay S&M leather store in the West Village um, and really started started investigating at this point. And when I say really started investigating, I mean half-ass investigating because the attitude of cops towards gay people in the seventies was basically, eh. Yeah. Uh, Priest world. Yeah, absolutely. And if you were, um, part of a marginalized group or if you were judged or perceived as being gross or morally inferior, um, the authorities were less inclined to help you. Like they were considered that living a high risk lifestyle, um, which mm. fuck that bullshit. <sighs> so after um, this connection is sort of made between, you know, that th- th- these are all gay men and that these, they were all sort of involved in the New York leather community, body parts start showing up in garbage bags, washing up along the Hudson river. Um, this obviously gets a lot of attention and they start calling it the fag and the mag. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, but the prevailing attitude was that whatever hat was happening with these men was basically that like, Oh, you know, something got out of hand and you know, you're, you're used to this kind of thing. Like you're in, involved in this this leather scene and that you know what comes with that is 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 rough sex and and you know what you're doing yeah rough sex where you know you end up with separate body parts sure Uh, yeah well that's a bit i don't think anyone's consenting to that yeah so what finally ends up getting um real attention is when a popular drag queen from the village tony lee um was strangled to death um in, in his apartment and the village voice wrote this big piece about her and how after she was done performing at the drag bars, she would go hang out in the after hours, uh, leather bars. And, and so that starts getting a lot of attention. Then a, a week later, film critic Addison Verrill was stabbed and bludgeoned in his apartment. And 
reporting here was like very whitewashed. They were trying to pass it off as um, sort of a one-off murder because Addison Verrill was was a name, was famous, and mm-hmm. they like they didn't want that connection um, to the gay community. And um, and keep in mind, everybody, like you know, let's let's not let's not judge a lot here, right? This was pre-AIDS, post hippie time, very sexually liberal and stuff or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't ever judge anybody for their their fetishes, their kinks. No kink shame. Um, because no, my kink shame shame is kink shame. My kink shame is kink shaming. Well, you can't do that here, Mm -hmm. Um, ma'am. But like, these men obviously weren't inviting this upon them and stuff. No, no matter what, what the hell you're into, you know, there's no, yeah, and like, you're not inviting somebody to chop you up. No. And like most of them are like, they're leather daddies. Right. And like leather daddies are traditionally like big, strong guys. And like, so they, they probably have this mentality that like, they're not going to get hurt and stuff or whatever, which was a lot of like kind of the mentality of like people involved or like hearing about it. Like, how could this happen? And how could like a, you know, another man like get, get hurt this way. And it's like, if someone wants to hurt you, they're going to hurt you. But anyway, Um, so the, uh, reporter named Arthur Bell, he called BS on the sort of whitewashing of the Addison Verrill murder. Um, and he wrote, he writes an article for the village voice connecting his murder to the rest of what was happening. And then he gets a phone call from a man who says, I, I did it. I killed Addison Verrill. We had spent the night together and then, um, like, I realized he didn't love me. He didn't want to be my boyfriend. He didn't want to marry me. So I killed him. And the caller provided a bunch of detail to um, Arthur Bell about the scene. Um, one in particular, including that there had been Crisco all over the apartment, which was a, a popular lubricant mm-hmm. at the time. So Bell's like, well, I don't, I don't know if this is bull- bullshit or not. So he calls the cops. He tells them about the Crisco detail, and that piques their interest. Um, Bell gets a second call from a man named Richard Ryan, who says that he met the killer at an AA meeting, um, and that um, he admitted that he killed Addison Barrel. So with all this information, this is tracked to Paul Bateson, our, our radiologist assistant. He... He is caught and arrested. Um, he confesses to the Addison Verrill murder. That is the only one he pleads guilty to. And they're like, well, that's fine. We got him. They said 20 years. That's it. And um, he was released in 2004. Um, I think he's dead now, but still. Yeah, yeah that's lovely that, you know, a murderer. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when he was in Rikers, apparently he would brag to other inmates that he did it um, because he was bored and he thought it would be fun to chop up some gay men. Um, but, you know, like like they they believe he's connected to way more murders um, than just... Well, that's the thing, too, is serial killers. Like, it's never the amount that is officially out there. Um, right. Which right. is even scarier. And I mean, like... 
Yeah, it's really, really scary. So when William Friedkin, the director of The Exorcist, heard that an extra from his movie was a was a was a serial killer, he was so intrigued that he went to Rikers and he interviewed Paul Bateson in prison. Um, and separately from this, someone had written a book called Cruising, which was about um, gay murders in the gay leather scene in New York. So William Friedkin, after his interview with Paul Bateson, decides that he wants to direct the movie adaptation of Cruising. Um, and he casts Al Pacino in the movie. Pacino plays this undercover cop who goes into, you know, the gay leather scene to find the killer. Um, if you've never seen Cruising, it, it's a, it's a kind of horror movie, but it's incredibly homophobic. And it basically cool. paints the idea that, like, oh, th- these men are deviants. And, like, you know, so they it's would like, kill you if you weren't going to kill them. It's like the actual um, version of what you get in the 80s where they kind of, like, make it a... Te- like, you know, these teenagers having sex and therefore they get hunted down by a serial killer. But overt. Yeah. But really, really overt. And so the gay community, when they heard that cruising was being filmed and that it was being filmed in the West Village, they were in a huge uproar. They organized to protest um, and do what they could to, like, stop the production. They would, like, hold up mirrors to, like, reflect the sunlight into the cameras at odd angles and stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like, they were pissed, rightly so, because, like, at this point in Hollywood, if gay people weren't being portrayed as, like, a punchline... Like, now they're being portrayed sexually deviant, you know, kind of, oh, asked for it sort of thing. Um, And it was one of the first real instances where, like, the gay community was so organized in protest. um, And which, of course, like, that would pick up eventually getting into um, the 80s and Stonewall and, and the rights movement. So... Something good came out of it, which is kind of cool. So a crazy domino effect. A crazy domino effect, yeah. And, like, so I, like, heard about this, and I just had to wonder, like, you know, because they think they're pretty sure he had he had already killed people by the, like, when he was in The Exorcist. And it was like, was he just sitting there in that scene, just, like, reveling in the irony of, being a serial killer in a horror movie you know and it's interesting because that's like the you know the thing with serial killers is that they want credit you know eventually at some point they want credit for it and it's like you're a serial killer wants to get caught. in a horror movie like in a movie like your face is going to be in this movie forever um yep like how that's got to be like the biggest like trip for for a serial killer is like you are forever in this film. And it was a film that turned out to be like a classic. His ego must have been through the roof. And then to have William Friedkin come visit you to to talk to you. Yeah. Like to not say I'm going to release a cut of this movie where I exercise you. No pun. Yeah. Uh, Exercise you from, from, you know, all the scenes instead of, you know, the natural reaction people would have. It's like, Oh, let me come interview you and pick your brain and then make a movie about you. Let me make a movie about you. 
Also, oh no one needs and to interview a serial least. killer. Like, we know. We know what's going on in the mind of a serial killer. Oh, my God. But, the, like, like it's, cr- it's just crazy to me that, like, all he got was 20 years and that they didn't, like, push for confessions or, or convictions on any of the other murders. Because they were just like, eh, we're good. Yeah. Like, it's insane to me that you can, ch- you can chop up a human being, and you spend two decades... To- in prison, yeah, and then you're out. Like, then you're good. Um, I couldn't super find what happened to him after he was released. Like, he moved to upstate New York. And I saw something, like, I think it was a Reddit sub-thread where, like, they're saying he he died. Like, he has since died then. But, but who knows? there wasn't, like, a an obituary link or anything. And it's just, like, what what was – what – what did what? he do after he was released? Is he you like know? hiding like, in oh, some go, cabin, like north of Albany, in the country? Like, yeah. no, no. Is he like in like Syracuse, like in some like quiet cabin by the Finger Lakes, like? Yeah, like oh, let me just like work on my knitting. Like, um, I don't, I know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that like I got to share this fucked up story with you. Craig has been stewing <laughs> on this. Um, yeah, no, that's insane. And how did that not come up? Because I think that was the scene where you yelled at us for talking was the scene where she was getting <laughs> like her, her MRI and we were talking and you were like, shut up, it's the exorcist. I'm like, how did you not, like, especially with Jamie there, how did you not be like, oh, by the way, there's a serial killer right there. Right there, that's him. I know. And it's so crazy because like when you look up stuff about like, oh, the weird shit that happened on the exorcist and stuff or whatever, this never comes up. Yeah. The serial killer in yeah, and I'm like, like this should be something that we should be talking about literally from the moment we wake up until we go to bed. Especially like you know, serial killer or not like the fact that they think okay, he was probably already killing people by the time he was in this movie. Like, is he just you know like in the background like thinking like oh, I killed a guy last mm-hmm. night. Like Jesus, yeah. huh? Like haha, like you like because you know like. like if he had been killing people, like that internal monologue was just total smugness. Like, because yeah. that's what they love, right? Like that they get to hide, that they hide in plain sight, and that, that that no one knows. Yeah. No, Kirk and I could have a whole seven podcasts about serial killers because we've had a lot I of know. conversations about I, serial right? killers. To the point we've where it's like you should be worried, but it's like if we talk about serial killers too much, we're probably not serial killers. Oh, no, I know no. I'm not. I can't speak for Craig. They say if you have a healthy fascination with serial killers, you're one of the least likely people to ever commit murder. Nice. I don't even like yeah. killing the deer in like the Cabela's like hunting games and the arcades. Like the oh animated my God, deer. Those are the worst. I feel bad. Like I They're did, too like, real. I know. Well, I feel bad after I do it. Like the few times I've played those games and I'm like, oh, there's a deer. And then it's like, oh. And I'm like, it's a computer. It's a bunch of ones and zeros, but I feel bad, you know? Um, I know. I know. I do too. So there was a, a bug in my apartment last night and I made Mr. Eric kill it. Oh, because... 100%. I don't, I don't fuck with that. I make, I've like, I was like, it scares me. It horrifies me. It will keep me up at night. I can't kill it. <laughs> oh yeah. I need it dead. Although I'm unwilling to do it. Yeah. Unless I'm like the only one here. And in which case I will force myself to do I it. I can't. But... Even if I'm the only one here, I will just leave the room and then hope by the time I get back, it's gone. And then just assume. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is, I did that once recently. There was like, they have these 
like jumping crickets here. Apparently they only live in like Northern Virginia mm-hmm. and they look freaky. Yeah. I think it was that thing that Jamie killed. Remember, well, like, remember when she was in my bathroom? Oh, and she I was think like, it was a jumping like, cricket. But and then it, there was like the legs and shit on the, the bathroom. And we didn't know what it was. I think that's why, because they only live here. Yeah. But so the point is I saw one and I couldn't, get it because it fucking jumped and stuff or whatever and, it, and I couldn't do. find it and so I was just kind of standing in my living room and I gave this like five minute speech to the cricket wherever it was and I was like we're gonna call a truce I'm like I'm gonna stop looking for you just don't like come into my bedroom tonight and stuff or whatever I looked it up they're like totally harmless so I, I like kind of felt bad yeah they're just freaky to look at and it's hops. like, oh, they, they usually go away, like, by the end of spring. And I'm like, well, I guess that's it's okay. It's not like my childhood dealing with scorpions where it's like, all right, you and I have a Listen. bone to pick. <laughs> you're horrifying to look at. You could kill me. Horrifying to look at. If you don't, you're going to seriously hurt me. I don't know why you feel the need to be in my dishwasher. I don't know why you are so cool also, to me as a human. Why are you still alive after billions of years of like evolution or whatever? I don't. You should be dead with all your yeah. dinosaur friends. You should be fucking dead. Please go away. I speak to it as if it's like personally been alive <laughs> two million years. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the the bonus um, movie that I wanted to tack on, not even a movie, just the bonus oh, yes, please story do. of... I'm sorry um, I talked for eight years oh, no, about... Oh, no, it was incredibly... I had no idea. This serial killer. And I'm like wondering yeah. why it didn't come up in my... Because in my AP psych class, we had a whole two months where we did nothing but talk about serial killers and everyone was so into it. And we watched like all these documentaries about serial killers. And I'm like, how did it not come up that there was like a serial killer in like... Famous blockbuster film. In a famous horror. One of, if not the most famous horror movie. Um, but yeah, so possibly, I mean, I'm sure anthropologically speaking, you can go back and find something earlier than this. But to me, culturally in the Western world, the thing that started all of these um, these rumors about things being cursed because of different things uh-huh. goes back to my favorite Shakespeare play, Macbeth. Oh, 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 that's oh. such a good, like, fun little tie-in. Yes. So for those of you who weren't in drama club and didn't get yelled at at least once for this, um, the you will never hear somebody who is, like, an actor say, the, they will likely not even say it outside of a theater because they've just trained themselves to not say it. They will, and it's famously Macbeth is referred to as the Scottish play, even in like vernaculars between professors and, and academics, because people don't want to say the phrase Macbeth, because traditionally you're in a theater and you say the word Macbeth and you've cursed your production, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. You're fucking done. Um, everything will go off the rails. Everything has gone off the rails. So craft service will be late. Which is like... Um, one time we got like Chick-fil-A, like catered our like production of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> it was so great. Um, so anyway, basically, did it taste of homophobia? You know, yeah, it did. Maybe but not at that, that time. At that time, because no one knew. 
No, that was the thing. Like, I, I knew that. Like, when it became news, I was like, we all knew that Chick-fil-A, like, this was happening. Why did this just come out now? Like, in the... Why is this just news? I don't know. Maybe I was, like, the only, like, the group I was with were the only people who were, like, interested in shit like that. I'm like, oh, by the way, homophobia. But anyway, point is, Macbeth, the point is. you don't say it in the theater. Um, yeah. Because it, you know, so people refer to it as the Scottish play. Um, Brittany, our dear friend Brittany, refers to it as McBee. Um, some people will just say M and they'll say Lady M, M and Lady M or, you know, what have mm. you. Because uh, they won't say it. Because it's, like, religiously taken as a thing. You do not say Macbeth in a theater. Um, the reason being is there's Which many... becomes incredibly challenging if the play you're performing is Macbeth. Yes, which is why <laughs> many, many <laughs> productions of Macbeth have been said to have ended in disaster. There was yeah. one such production in, like, the 1700s where somebody supposedly died on stage because they used a real sword um, in the fight scene at the end between Macbeth and Macduff, and he got skewered on stage. Um... But basically what this goes back to is that um, there are witches in Macbeth. And supposedly William Shakespeare took real spells or rhymes from a local coven of women who claimed to practice witchcraft and put them in his play. And they were so angry um, that he had stolen these sacred words from him um, that they cursed the production. And... um, you know, you can look through the ages, all sorts of bad things have happened during productions of Macbeth, more so than, than some other Shakespeare plays. Um, and if you want to be a skeptic, of course, you can, you know, assign that to the violence in Macbeth, you know, confirmation bias, what have you. But it's fun not to do that. So, yeah. you know, you've got these deaths, like on stage deaths in Macbeth. You've got, you know, these freaky things happening. Um and people will not, like, it's come to the point where people are like, no, I won't say Macbeth in a theater because you will curse your production, no matter what it is. It could be, you could be performing Wicked, and some stupid crew guy says Macbeth, and after he is murdered by the rest of uh, the casting crew, something tragic happens, you know, some, some catastrophe um, goes on. In my um, own high school, our stage manager was an asshole uh, my senior year just because he was very jaded about everything. And he was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay Macbeth, like backstage while we were doing arsenic and old lace. Um, and the very next scene, a bunch of mic packs stopped working. Um, and it was freaky. And I was like, Dan, you asshole. <laughs> um, but he was like, I'm going to do it. And he was like, Macbeth, Macbeth, go on stage, like, three mic packs just stopped working in the middle of the rehearsal. Um, and we were like, cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a freaky thing, and that's kind of, like, I think a lot of the the origins of cursed things goes back to the curse of Macbeth and the fact that you never say Macbeth. And um, it's a dark, very scary, very gothic uh, Shakespeare play. Um and it's freaky stuff. It's just, a, it's a cool and creepy idea that like productions can be cursed or haunted. Like mm-hmm. the idea that there's a force that like, it doesn't want a story to be told or a performance to be given, I think is really, really cool. Um, the gallows mm-hmm. played so Missed much, so, so, so much with that, but they kind of uh, yeah. shot the 
arrow to the side a bit there. Yeah, totally missed the mark. Basically, The Gallows was a found footage film about a cursed school production of some made-up play where some boy died during the production on stage during a hanging scene. He was actually hanged by accident. Um, you know, which is whatever. It's a concept, but you have real-life things like Macbeth. Like, you totally could have played with every drama kid's, like... <laughs> indoctrination that um you don't fuck with Macbeth um so if you want to see a better movie involving like the world of theater and like creepy things happening I recommend Stage Fright Mm. which is a slasher about um some kids at a drama camp and they're trying to put on a production and then and there's a killer and stuff or whatever. Oh, I'm sure it's in the Catskills and stuff or whatever. Um, that's even, a, I think, the, it's pretty great. the origin of the superstition of the opera ghost. Um, mm, yeah. Is that he curses all sorts of productions. And literally, because he's a psychopath who's, like, dropping scenery on people. But, you know, it's like... You know. But it's, you know, it's fascinating uh, stuff. Um, the opera ghost, obviously, being the aforementioned Phantom of the Opera. Um, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. And also some kale. <laughs> I had a salad last night that was called Kale and Friends. Oh. oh well, who is friends with kale? Um, is it like arugula and spinach? It was kale. It was cranberries. Uh, radishes. I did not get the walnuts on it because I am allergic. Um, radishes is such a fickle bitch. I feel like radishes just talk shit about kale. I do. God. And I ate them both with God. God. Um, but yes, cursed productions. Have you been in a cursed, cursed production productions. of Macbeth? And of course, you know, like, it's always, like, fun and cheeky that it's always horror movies. Like, you never hear about, like... Caddyshack or My Fair Lady being cursed, but you know, you know, it's fun to 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 group all your scary things in one place, right? You know, like with like and whatnot. Yeah. So hopefully, you guys have learned some cool things about I did creepy productions. Yes, I'm so excited. I just think that story is so 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 creepy yeah that little that little weird connection there um what do we have coming down the pipeline let's see um another installment of booze and booze is on is on its way Get excited. excited. Those have always seemed to have been yeah, well received episodes. Kind of, it's so. popular. So, and um, yeah, we've been talking about a lot of different things, a lot of different ideas. Um, hopefully, we'll be back on a more regular schedule for you guys. Now that we're not flirting with death, <laughs> flirting with death, and like traveling and seeing family and all the other shit we were doing this month. Yes. But, 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 but. So anything, what, anything else to add, Miss Mill? Do you have any, you know, cre- not you, like you being the, the viewer, the listeners, uh, the 
creepy stories of things you've been in or done in or known or maybe you said Macbeth in a theater and you were the pariah of your production of Greece. I don't know. Um, Could be interesting. I always love hearing crap like that. Definitely. Everyone always has their their rumors that somebody died in the theater or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let us know your haunted uh, cursed production things or or if we missed like some huge thing like for one of the movies we talked about, be like, um, how did you not talk about this? How did you not talk about Satan this, literally uh, appearing in the middle of Right, and that part in where they all made a blood pact with Satan on the set of Blazing Saddles? <laughs> well, we'll get to that next week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yes, yes, and you can tell us these fun stories and get at us through various forms of social media, such as. I was gonna see this if is you where did... I wanted. Okay, yeah, I didn't know um, if you were gonna try. Okay, okay, uh, let's see if I'm up for it. Okay, you can follow and. T- on Twitter at Splatter Chatter 666. If you search Splatter Chatter, it should just come up. If you are typing it in letter for letter, it's Splatter Chatter with 666 without the vowels. You can email us if you have a nice long story at Splatter Chatter 669 at gmail.com. You can check out our fun content on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. You can read uh, recent reviews. And more reviews are coming. I promise. I'm kind of creating a backlog at the moment. On the blog, which is splatterchatter666.blogspot.com. And you can follow Miss Melanie um, individually on Twitter at Craigers and at Melmoy. M E L M O Y. That's us. You did good. Did I get everything? You did. Did I do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Craig has finally become a real boy. I can finally do it. So, yeah. Oh, and if you think about it, we would also love if you would um, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Oh, yeah. That would be really cool, too. Um, That would be sick. Yeah, that would be pretty cool because you guys are cool and we want to hear what you think. Um, Now that we've talked for 800 years, I guess we should say goodbye. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is our longest so far. This, this is almost two is- hours. Oh my god! Holy shit! I hope everyone like stuck with listening. Them. <laughs> if you stayed listening, if you stuck with us. Let us know. Let, just let us know that we'll like the, send you like a fucking the sticker co- or something. Because goddamn, the pa- the secret code word is apple pie. <laughs> the secret code word is apple pie. It's tweet at us, apple pie, to be entered for a chance to win a secret prize for making your ears bleed. <sighs> We've got Q-tips. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this puppy up. Um, until next time, guys, um, keep up the creep, and we will say au revoir, adios, and das